Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber Internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. From the Milton Metz studio in the Radio TV building in Indiana University, welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, editor of the Herald Times, and today we're going to review 2018, look ahead to 2019. Uh, 2018 is wrapping up, and it's time to look at some of these stories. There were devastating shootings, school shootings again, and shootings, uh, mass shootings in various places. America watched as the Me Too movement really took off. Um, climate change has been in the news. Hoosiers were affected by uh, the school shootings with one in Noblesville. Um, and also uh, state lawmakers have made it legal to drink on Sundays, to purchase alcohol on Sundays. It's always been illegal to drink, I guess, if you're 18. Purchase alcohol on Sundays in Indiana. And the election this year was big news. And there are a lot of other things that we'll be talking about today. Uh, I have two guests with us in in the studio. Um, they're both uh, friends of mine and colleagues of mine, Max Jones, the editor of the Terre Haute Tribune Star, and Jeff Kovaleski, the editor of the Kokomo Tribune. If you want to join our program, we're doing it live today, so you can call us at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348. You can also um, get to us at news at indianapublicmedia.org, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So, Max, Jeff, welcome back. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks Bob. Year, Good to see you. It's been a year since we've been here. Here we, <laughs> here we go again. So I'm going to ask you to complete this sentence. Jeff, I'm going to start with you. 2018 will be known as the year of Washington instability. All right. And uh, say a little more about that. I think people just feel that the chaos is becoming too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, even for Trump supporters, mm-hmm. that they would much rather see a a government that you could count on, that you knew what they were going to say before they said it, you know, like your parents did when you were a kid. I think we'd like to see that again. Max, same uh, sentence. Complete this sentence. 2018 will be known as the year... Well, I'll, I'll look at it from, uh, from more of a parochial point of view and uh, from the view of a Vigo County uh, uh, news watcher, uh, news reporters like we are. And I would say it's a year of civic engagement, even to the point of uprising. And the reason I say that is um, uh, a lot of what's been going on in Vigo County and Terre Haute for the past year had to do with a lot of fussing and fuming and fomenting about some really major issues the community faces. They just have had a very difficult time coming to grips with, such as uh, what to do with their inadequate jail and uh, what site to pick, what to, how to pay for it. Uh, it's a major issue facing the community, especially knowing that as they look over their shoulder, they've also got some other major uh, building uh, issues and challenges in their schools and elsewhere uh, that's coming down the road. So this great – I think there's this great uh, anxiety that exists right below the surface, and there was a sense of uh, dissatisfaction with – uh, with many of the public officials in our community. And what that did was that brought out a people that we have never seen before uh, who began to show up at meetings. They formed their own group. Uh, they have, they have uh, ended up having great impact in a number of areas. Uh, and not only uh, uh, the, the jail issue that we face, but in other areas as well, and to, and to the point that one of its founders and main leaders uh, just recently got appointed to a county council position. And uh, we had a number of incumbent uh, office holders that were defeated uh, this year uh, uh, for, for gr- the reasons that I state that people just were, I believe, fed up with the direction that uh, community was taking on some of these big issues. So uh, from my point of view, it was an interesting, even a positive development to see, even though there's a lot of unrest and certainly a lot of uh, dissatisfaction and and arguing going on, to see 
people come up from out of nowhere to start making a, a big difference in their community from, from a number of walks of life from, from diverse segments of the community. I love both your answers. I, you know, and I, I'm going to just steal from both of them. I think on the national level and the, the thing that's sort of um, – uh, an underpinning underpinning for a lot of uh, the way people are thinking today is that 2018 will be known as the year of instability or, or unease or um, I, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is, but it's just people didn't really know what to expect. People didn't know what was going to happen next on the national scene. On the local scene for Bloomington, Monroe County, it was the year of the bicentennial. Of course, that's, that would be an easy one. But it was also, I would say, and I'll talk about more about this, it was a year of incompletes. There are a lot of things that are in progress. Not a lot of things came to completion this year. In 2019, there will be a lot of these things that we'll be continuing to write about and talk about. And so it's, it's fascinating to me to uh, – you know, uh, to have the two of you in here, and we're all local newspaper editors. I mean, we got Kokomo, we got Terre Haute, we got Bloomington, but you know, I think Jeff kicked off the show with something that you know we can't. We used to be able just to focus inward on what's going on in our local communities, but in the last few years, it's been uh, since the election of Donald Trump and since the campaign for the election of Donald Trump, it's been very difficult to stay insulated from what's going on nationally. Jeff talked about it a little bit, Max. Agree? Disagree? Yeah, it's 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 certainly that way. Vigo County is uh, is a strange political animal as it is in that it has uh, gone through major swings in 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 the way it's uh, leaned in in uh, national political races in a number of years. A county that twice voted for uh, Barack Obama then turns around and votes heavily for Donald Trump left a lot of people scratching their heads trying to figure out. Uh, how how this could be and what it says about their community. But I don't know that Vigo County is a whole lot different than others were. Uh, this happened a lot, and uh, it, it, it shows sort of a level of distrust with the establishment that – um, that we see that, and it's trickled down all the way from national politics down to state politics and into into local politics. Do you think that that had a, a hand in some of the local activism you were talking about? I think there that that set a mood. Uh, I think there's there's people just stu- stirring and stewing, and when uh, an issue arose that sparked their interest, they they were quick to jump into it. So there may have been a lot of pent up energy that when they finally found an issue that they say, okay, that's this is my time, and I'm going to step forward and, and get into the fray. Mm-hmm. Jeff, are you seeing that in Kokomo? No, <laughs> I, I'm not. Um, Kokomo did, uh, well, Howard County did elect its first woman to the Howard County Council, um, and that was a big deal, but we've been doing a series over the last year, um, A Pulse of the Voters, uh, Max is doing it too, and uh, he'll tell you the same thing. I think that the people that we've talked to who were Trump supporters in the beginning still are Trump supporters, and people who mistrusted him in the beginning still do, and nobody's moving in twelve months. Mm-hmm. There, are, you know, I'm, I'm in a unique position because Bloomington and Monroe County are, are very blue. Um, but there are Trump supporters here, and I hear from them on, on email and phone calls and whatnot. We might hear from some today. Who knows? Um, but I, I think that the Bloomington and Monroe County has become an even you know deeper shade of blue. I think the, the polarization that's been going on all over the country is part of what we're you know what we're seeing. And um, you know, I Indiana got red, more red during the election. Uh, with you know with Joe Donnelly losing to uh, Mike Braun and you know Congress uh, I, I don't have the numbers in my mind now but I, but you know in, in our area Trey Hollingsworth won handily over Liz Watson who was a very good candidate and she just didn't have a chance in that district um, but in Bloomington and Monroe County you know we have three county three female county commissioners for the first time ever. Um, our city, the city council in Bloomington, continues to be all Democrats. 
Um, we have a mayoral election coming up in 2019 where the sitting Bloomington mayor, John Hamilton, may well be challenged by Amanda Barge, who's the, the president of the county commissioner. So that's, that's going to be something to keep an eye on. But And that's, that's out of dissatisfaction, even among Democrats in the community. So I think that, that there's a lot, there's a lot um, to be dissatisfied. And if people are not dissatisfied enough on the, on the high end of things with what's going on in Washington or in Indianapolis, then they sort of get down to their local community. That's what we've been finding. Anyway. Sometimes you have these, these uh, veins of, uh, of uh, local events that can also really be dramatic enough to interject themselves into – uh, the public's uh, point of view and frame of mind on things. And I think there were two things that probably also helped drive this uh, civic interest, the civic engagement. Now, you know, number one was last uh, spring, uh, the Vigo County lost its uh, second police officer in the line of duty uh, in the last six years. And that for a community our size is, uh, you know, is pretty high number, pretty dramatic number. That uh, happening for the second time in such a close in, – in, in that close a period of time, uh, I think, triggered a lot of emotion in the community. And the other is that uh, we have this ongoing issue with our school corporation where we've had two high-ranking administrators that have now served jail time for corruption and our superintendent of – the former superintendent of schools is now under – uh, charges for for bribery in our school corporations. So you enter some of these local activities into the mix, and I think that triggers the emotion to get up to a second level. Mm-hmm. Jeff, you were. We've had the opposite. Uh, what I found and what I think is going to be interesting for us in 2019 is the mayoral election. Our mayor, Craig Goodnight, um, is at coming to the end of his third term, so he'd be seeking a fourth straight. Um, he's already had – he's uh, a former police officer has already um, announced that he'll primary him. He's a very uh, well-known person in the community, um, very popular. Um, his family's been in the community a long time, just like Greg's. So that's going to be an issue. Um, there may be a, a – County Council President uh, running for mayor, uh, another well-known person in the community, uh, very very popular. So there's going to be some some problems, I think, for Kokomo um, politically um, in the coming year. And and I do think on the national level, there's going to be some problems politically for our two senators. Mm-hmm. Um. It'll be interesting to see how they handle information uh, that's going to be coming, some say, as early as mid-February uh, on the Mueller investigation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be going to be interesting to watch. If you want to join us on the program today, we are live. We're talking about uh, 2018. We'll be looking ahead to 2019. Uh, you'd be talking to three newspaper editors. You don't get this opportunity every day. Uh, Max Jones from Terre Haute Tribune Star, Jeff Kovaleski from the Kokomo Tribune, and myself, Bob Salzberg, from the Herald Times here in Bloomington. If you want to join us, 812-855-0811, news at indianapublicmedia.org. And our Twitter handle is at Noon Edition. So the, you mentioned the Mueller investigation. I mean, there's been a lot going on uh, nationally. I don't want to spend too much more time talking about national politics unless our, our listeners want us to. Um, but do, do you think – I mean, what, what do you expect to see? I mean, the Mueller investigation will be wrapping up soon. Is there any chance that anybody's mind is going to be changed after this, Max? Well, I think everybody's um, dug in, and I think it would be very easy to say it doesn't matter what will happen, um, uh, no matter what uh, comes out, uh, that won't change anything. So I think that is probably a common perception. I I guess I'm holding out a little more hope than that, that uh, when some of the hardline, no-collusion Folks uh, 
begin to not be able to say that anymore, that they won't be comfortable to say, well, there was collusion, but it doesn't matter. Uh, that may be a stretch for some people. Maybe not others, but there will be for some. So I'm holding out some hope that uh, that there could be just enough movement uh, in the public perception and the public opinion that um, that the really do-nothing uh, Congress will take a more active role. And, of course, it will on the House side anyway because the Democrats will be taking over. But the Senate's going to be what makes a difference. And, you know, I still think there's got to be some of those senators who just, um, if they got the right information, will be willing to, to change their tune. Mm-hmm. Jeff? Oh, I, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think everybody's holding their fire until and they should. Mueller, yes, yeah. and, until yeah. Mueller's completely finished. And once it is finished, um, I don't see uh, Republican senators in particular saying that they don't believe what the Justice Department's found out. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't see that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we'll—, we'll be able to see early in the year, we think. So, we think. Yeah. yeah, right. We have a phone call, and uh, Lois is on the line. She's got a question about newspapers, so uh, let's get ready. Lois? Hi. Uh, the national news is, is riveting. We can't look away, but we have lots of sources for that. And at least here in Bloomington, the national news we get is McPaper. Uh, I am... I am annoyed. I am concerned that my HT uh, subscription keeps going up and up and up, and what I get for it keeps going down and down and down. Would all of you address that issue? Sure. They, these guys can talk about my paper. That'd be great. But I, I, I'll address it. I'll address it, Lois. I mean, uh, you know what you're getting with. Uh, USA Today, the, the formal name of, of the paper you were referring to, is six pages a day of national and international news. If we were not providing you those six pages a day, we'd be providing one to two pages a day of news from the Associated Press. So whether you like it or not, you're getting more national and international news. You just don't like the source of it. Um, as far as uh, providing less and less information to you, it's no secret that newsrooms have cut back and that newspapers have cut back on the amount of um, the amount of, of newsprint that we're providing. Although we do have unlimited space online, and there's a lot there are a lot of things on our website that uh, don't make it into print. Uh, and you have, as a subscriber, you have access to everything that we have online as well. So, you know, I, I hear your frustration. Um, you know, it's not the same. We don't, we don't have the same capacity that we did. What we have to do as uh, editors of local newspapers is, is deploy the staff, the reporters that we have to report on things that we think are of interest to our, our communities, our local communities and uh, find ways to cover the state and then find ways to cover the nation. We've chosen to do the nation through um, the USA Today model. So I'll turn it over to Jeff and Max to talk about their situations too. Uh, We have similar um, phone calls at at Kokomo. Uh, We don't have um, a a pullout of of national news. Um, We don't really provide a lot of national news in our print product. we don't have uh, the space for it. Uh, we put a lot of it online. Uh, we, like uh, Bloomington Lois, are uh, trying to um, deliver the best local news that we possibly can. Um, but you know, our our resources might be uh, fewer than they were ten years ago, maybe even five years ago. Um, and and. It's difficult, but um, we're glad that people like you are, are calling and saying that, that you notice and that you want us to do better. Um, we sure are trying. Well, I, I would have to echo what Jeff says. And one of the things I hear in uh, your voice, Lois, is a passion for your, for your newspaper. And that's something we love to hear. 
uh, even when you're questioning what we're doing or criticizing what's happening in our publications, um, we we love to hear from people who have this passion. And I talk to these people in Terre Haute a lot. Uh, we have great conversations, and they express their disappointments at times with what we're doing. Uh, and I just want them to stay interested uh, to the point that they don't care about their local newspaper. I think we're really in serious trouble. And as far as uh, you know, our newspaper, we're very similar to the paper in Kokomo in that we don't publish a lot of national, international uh, news. We still do try to concentrate a lot on state news. Uh, we're trying to keep our readers in mind in terms of what we can give them that they would have a hard time getting other places. And uh, local news is our franchise. That's where we have to uh, concentrate our resources. We want to make our coverage of your community uh, valuable enough that, that you think it's worth uh, the rising prices that are being attached to our uh, subscriptions. So that's... Um, you know that's the way I try to to approach this. I have the same passion for newspapers that you do, and and uh, we're all we're all fighting a good fight, trying trying to keep these publications of high quality as we possibly can. Lois, any follow up? Uh, I'd count McPaper as two pages of actual news and four pages of pop culture pseudo ads. So that's hostile, but. Well, that, that yeah, I mean that's your opinion, and it's six, it's six pages of newsprint. Some of it's devoted to business, some of it's devoted to pop culture. One page to pop culture, and uh, three pages to news every day. So, uh, you know, thanks. I, we appreciate the call, and and uh, we'll just keep trying to do as good a job as we can. All right, our phone numbers again are eight one two eight five five zero eight one one eight one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. News at indianapublicmedia.org and at noon, edition, at noon Edition. Let's move down to the state level and talk about state news. Uh, what were the biggest stories in your minds? And we talk about it's easy to pinpoint the fact that starting, I think it was in February, we were able to go to the liquor store or to Target on a Sunday and buy, buy alcohol. But, you know, I've talked about this before on this program and elsewhere. I mean, to me, that's not a huge news story. It's something that Indiana just should have done years and years ago. Did it change a lot of lives? Not really. I mean, <laughs> if people wanted to have a beer on a Sunday, they found a way to do it. But still, it was something that the legislature did and and it was it was a you know, it was a change in the law that got everybody's attention, especially everybody over 21 years old. I'll get off my soapbox about that now and say, what were other stories in the state that you think were of, of importance? Well, you know, there wasn't uh, there wasn't the big, huge, riveting story, but there were a, a number of uh, very interesting stories that happened throughout the year. Of course, the um, the um, the shooting in the Noblesville School was one. Uh, the senatorial election that that had an incredible amount of money spent on it, and eventually led to the defeat of an incumbent uh, senator. Uh, that was a big story. I think the um, um, the ongoing solid economics of Indiana is sort of a remarkable thing, and uh, you keep thinking that something's going to change or we're going to see a downturn, but uh, it's about as solid as I think anybody could, could expect. Um, Governor Holcomb um, seems to be on solid ground, although I think there are some in his, his party now that are starting to uh, get a little um, uneasy with him. Um, the whole Curtis Hill story was, um, I think, a, a development that is going to keep developing uh, as time goes on, and we may find out whether or not that will spell sort of the end of Curtis Hill's political career or not. Uh, he's certainly fighting it uh, as if he he thinks he's got uh, a lot left. Uh, but those are you know those are the some of the things that uh, that are in my mind when I think of of uh, of state of state politics. And of course, we got a new legislative session coming up soon, so uh, you know all of our thoughts will get kind of get turned to that very soon. Mm-hmm. Jeff, you know I think a a really big story that got very little attention was the uh, recent uh, question-and-answer session that the, the, the governor did about um, education funding 
and whether teachers would get a pay raise. And, and when the state superintendent of public instruction tweets out a just a smackdown on the governor saying, hey, we're losing 88 percent of our teachers in their first five years. We don't need a study, governor. We need pay raises. Um, that was a big story. And it's going to be the story, I think, in 2019 at the state house, mm-hmm. and the governor sort of clarified what he what he meant or sa- says what he meant was more that yeah we do want to do a study, but we do want immediate pay raises. But I think there was more of a merit or you know give money to schools, let schools decide who's who's going to get them. So, um, but it was it, it was kind of a dust up there for sure. Yeah, and I think education is always a big. A big issue in the state, you know, Monroe County, I don't know about your counties, Monroe's one of them that got some money for uh, preschool education. That's always a huge issue in Indiana. I've been uh, in editorials, I've been beating the drum about preschool education and early childhood education for years. I think the fact that Indiana is still in a pilot situation is kind of shameful uh, compared to a lot of other states. However, Having said that, Monroe County had a real difficult time filling the seats uh, with the program that Indiana has in place now with uh, some of these high-quality early childhood education. And there's a, there's a work component to it, a work or school component. So it wasn't open to just every parent who had the need. And I think, I think um, you know, that's, that's an issue that's going to need to be looked at. I don't know that teacher pay is really the issue. I think the issue might be that um, teachers feel as though they're being scapegoated by lawmakers. Um, Years ago, state takes over funding public education. Um, I think the three of us believe that was because they could – use that money to um, move money to private schools because they set this thing up that way. But now they have to deal with um, teachers feeling as though that they just don't matter. Um, I don't believe that teachers in um, school districts that don't have a high-low mod um, – economic makeup of their 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 classes feel as badly but i think urban school teachers um who are dealing with uh socioeconomic problems um every day with a uh, little help uh from parental support um are leaving in droves and i think the state needs to address um teacher pay for those teachers who are working in high, low mod income areas. All right. We have, we've been talking for a while here, and, and I've kind of gone over our break time. So we're going to have to take a short break. You're listening to Noon Edition. We're reviewing 2018, and we'll get into 2019 some in the second half of the program. We'll be right back. From the Milton Met Studio at IU's Radio TV building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville, online at smithville.com. WFIU News covers south-central Indiana and the state throughout the day at WFIUNews.org and on Twitter at WFIU News. You can watch unfiltered video of breaking stories on Facebook Live. And you can get a digest of all the day's top stories delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of the headlines, plus the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg from the Herald Times, along with our guests today, Max Jones, editor of the Terre Haute Tribune Star, and Jeff Kovaleski, who's the editor of the Kokomo Tribune. We are talking about 2018, some of the big news stories of the year, and uh, we're going to be looking ahead to 2019 here in a little bit. If you have questions or comments, want to throw in your two cents about the biggest news stories of the year, we have uh, two numbers you can call, 812-855-0811 here in Bloomington, 1-877-285-9348 outside the Bloomington area, news at indianapublicmedia.org if you want to send us a, a question by email and uh, Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Noon Edition. Okay, we have a phone call, and uh, it's Carp. Carp's my uh, uh, good buddy, and, well, I shouldn't say that. He's a, he's a colleague from uh, public service. Carp? Hey, good afternoon, Bob. And uh, going back to your uh, local newspaper story, I, I just think that one of the understated stories for Bloomington in particular is that you're retiring. And I, <laughs> you know, you're welcome to come down to the bait shop, but cannot fathom the HT under different um, flag officer. Uh, I just can't imagine where they'll go because I know you've dug in your heels and saved a lot of what uh, the woman said earlier was getting to be a very thin newspaper. Um, I know that's not easy, and it's that way across the state, but you will be missed, and I had to tell you that on air. Carp, appreciate it very much, and uh, you, you're, you just got sworn in for another four years, right? So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, see, uh, so I'm safe, but you know you can always come and see me. All right, you know. All right. Well, thanks, Bob, for what you've done. Sure, Dan. Thanks a lot. All right, uh, Dan Combs. He's a Perry Township trustee here in Monroe County. I appreciate those kind words, um, and uh, there'll be time to talk about that later. So I want to mention, uh, you know, hate crimes legislation as another state issue because it didn't pass last year, but it's on the agenda this year. Um, it, it's going to be a battle in the legislature, though, even though the governor wants it and some of the leadership wants it. But there are people who don't want it. We had a, a guest column in our paper. It was probably sent out to you guys as well from four legislators who said we don't need this. This is um, making special treatment for certain groups and we don't need it. We published that in our paper and we've gotten letters to the editor in response to it. We have other people who have responded and said they agree with that. So, you know, I think it's going to be an issue. And I think, I'm, again, I'm on the record editorially of saying that Indiana needs hate crime legislation. It's been a, a, something we've written about for two, three, four years. Uh, so I'm not just offering a off-the-cuff opinion. We've written about it before. But I don't know if it's going to get through this year. What are the prospects? Well, one of the um, we we got the same uh, piece uh, submitted to us as you got, and one of the uh, signatories was um, a state rep from our area, and indeed my own personal state rep, Bruce Borders from Jasonville. And um, I for, I, for, I can't say the other three off the top of my head, but um, I was it was a fascinating uh, and highly passionate uh, uh, defense of the status quo. And uh, that got my attention in that there's still this uh, these people willing to draw a line on this. And under no circumstances are some of these folks going to uh, go along with this type of legislation. Uh, we're we're on the on the record as well and have been for a number of years that that it's time for hate crimes legislation, that it'd be good for the state. There's no harm to be done uh, from this sort of thing. And. And uh, at least it can make make our state. So many people in our state feel as though uh, they're contributing to a change of mood, a change of approach to to some of these issues. And it would bring Indiana in line with forty five other states. Our most read story online, local story, was one where a, uh, a mixed race uh, family. Moves to a new house in uh, the Greentown area and uh, receives a horrible letter from a neighbor um, explaining that this is a white neighborhood in no uncertain terms and uh, use colorful language. Um, That's Exhibit A. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So I want to talk a little bit about our local communities because I think that we all have things that we can point to to say that that Kokomo, Terre Haute, and Bloomington are all um, really doing well economically right now. If I'm wrong, let me know. But uh, Jeff, let's start with Kokomo. Um, yeah, we we actually are. Um, 2018 was a. a big year of uh, private investment. Um, The state of Indiana is going to put $40 million into the um, Ivy Tech Kokomo campus. Uh, There's going to be another $3 million from private donations, um, and that construction has begun. Um, A new hotel and conference center is planned for downtown Kokomo, um, very close to City Hall. Uh, that is going to be a $23 million, $22 million investment in, in downtown. We've added hundreds of uh, apartments um, downtown. Um, and just recently in, uh, I think it was uh, the Manhattan Institute's uh, magazine, um, Aaron Wren did a this really glowing story about uh, Kokomo's transformation from, you know, Rust Belt Town and uh, under Greg Goodnight's leadership. Um, So in a town where others outside see growth, people inside sometimes um, feel as though it's just too much. And I think that's what our argument is right now. Mm -hmm. Matt? Otero and Vigo County are certainly stable, uh, and that's even even during tough times. Uh, that's one thing they can always point to: the universities and some of the diverse um, uh, manufacturing interests that exist. Uh, the healthcare uh, community has really allowed uh, our community to stay pretty stable, even when things get rough elsewhere. Now that said, uh, it's certainly not a boom town either. And I think uh, the mantra that that I hear uh, often on the streets uh, by economic development types and and people who are keeping a close eye on these things is um, if you live in Vigo County uh, and you want a job, um, you can you can have a job. However, there's another part of that uh, that you need to include. It's not just if you want a job. It's if you want a job and can pass the drug test, then you can have a job. Our unemployment rate is, is among the highest in the state. That doesn't mean it's real high, but it's higher than most. Uh, but that's just where we settle. There are just uh, people living in our in our community that, uh, that, that can't qualify for a job. But if they wanted one and they could pass a drug test, they certainly can, can find a job right now. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the show, I talked about how 2018 will be known as a year of uh, locally of some progress and things that weren't completed. Well, they're not completed because they're multi-year projects. But when when I look at Bloomington and the progress that's being made here, it is in the area of healthcare, new hospital, new academic regional academic health center that IU and, and IU Health are combining on. That investment is. Um, oh, I, I can't tell you exactly what the financial investment, but it's going to be over 700,000 square feet of space, about 725,000 square feet, 620 in a hospital, 115 in an IU academic um, facility. Um, that is – ground was broken on that uh, this year, so that was certainly a big step forward, but that's going to be under construction this year into 2020 and possibly even into 2021, but I think 2020 is the year it's supposed to be completed. Uh, There's a new park under construction in Bloomington. Ground was broken on that this year. It'll be the biggest city park in the community. A lot of construction downtown in uh, in Bloomington. Cook Group has purchased the old RCA built, or not RCA, I'm sorry, the old GE building. They're investing $125 million in that to make it into a state-of-the-art medical device manufacturing location. Uh, the old RCA building, which used to be Cook Pharmaca, was purchased in 2017 by Catalan. Catalan's going to invest $14 million in that that facility. So there, there's a lot going well in Bloomington and Monroe County when it comes to economic development. Uh, there's also the Trades District, which is a co-working space and an, an incubator kind of space in downtown. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on there. 
you talked about drug tests and passing drug tests. We have to talk about the opioid issue. Um, what was 2018 like in your communities for opioids? Has it gotten worse? Has it stabilized? Has it actually turned the corner? Max? I think stabilized might be might be a, a, an accurate way to look at it. There certainly has been a lot more effort being put into uh, serving uh, that segment of the community that that is struggling uh, with opioid addiction. Uh, the state identified our county as one that needed a lot of help. They poured a lot of money into it. There's uh, there's a lot of uh, resources being poured into uh, treatment centers and expanded treatment centers, not only in our county but in our region. Hamilton Center was one of the uh, uh, mental health centers that was targeted for uh, a great infusion of funds. So all of this we we see as a good thing. Uh, and hopefully that will uh, at least be part of what helps move move uh, the needle on dealing with that issue. Uh, I would say that ours has stabilized, actually went down a bit. Um, but um, Howard County um, led an effort to put together a systems of care f- to deal with uh, the opioid epidemic in, in Howard County. Uh, like everyone else, uh, we're struggling with uh, treatment um, facility space, um, you know, hospital beds for people who are in need of uh, immediate care uh, are always full. Mm-hmm. It's a huge issue here still, but I think that idea of stabilized is probably um, it's probably a, a reasonably good term. Although you know, for people who are are fighting uh, the battle or who are working on the on the front lines. It's a, a huge issue. Um, I think people are just much more educated. I think that's been part of the, the progress that's been made statewide, certainly here in Monroe County. A lot of conversations about harm reduction, the treatment facilities, um, and what makes a good treatment facility has been a big issue, and a lot of people are working hard to try to uh, to take, re, reduce the stigma about about these addictions. Now, the one thing that we might want to look at in 2019, I don't know about your communities, but I've heard from law enforcement people here and people who are sort of in the trenches that meth is making a comeback and in some ways is – maybe it's never gone away, but in some ways meth is as big or a bigger problem as opioids now in Monroe County in this south central Indiana. So that's just, uh, you know, I'm giving you secondhand information from unnamed sources, uh, as we sometimes do, but I think that could be an issue for us to look at going forward. All right, if you have any questions or comments, we still have a few minutes, uh, 10 minutes or so to go. 812-855-0811 in Bloomington, 1-877-285-9348. In the outside of the Bloomington area, that would be Terre Haute or Kokomo. Also, you can find us news at indianapublicmedia.org, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So what other stories do you want to want to talk about today? I'm going to throw it out there for you guys to, to jump in. Well, I have talked about some of the big ones that that happened in our county, uh, in Vigo County, having to do with uh, the the police officer who was shot and killed last May, uh, our former school superintendent who is now facing uh, bribery charges in Marion County over his work um, when he was superintendent. Uh, But let me talk about something that is stewing now that is another one of those continuing developing stories, and that is the effort to place a convention center and new hotel in downtown Terre Haute. Uh, Holman Center, the the arena that Indiana State University uses for a number of community events, including uh, many of their athletic events, is also under renovation. Uh, It's a major project. There hadn't been a lot of work done in that arena for a lot of years. So um, uh, even though this new convention center is now working independently of Indiana State, they're, they're not involved as they first were in this, there has been a lot of movement. And even though... Uh, it's not necessarily met with uh, unanimous support in Vigo County. There still is enough support for for bringing this sort of facility to downtown Terre Haute that, that it is percolating right along. Uh, one of the real interesting things that happened last fall was that Larry Bird uh, agreed to lend his name to the convention center and allow it uh, a museum, the Larry Bird Museum, 
uh, will be, which will be the only uh, one that he approves of uh, that that will exist, and it'll and it'll be part of this convention center. And that you know that's that's a big deal. The governor came over for that announcement, uh, so there seems to be a lot of upbeat. Uh, feelings about the potential for this uh, to be a transformational project for uh, for downtown, which has really uh, felt a lot of success in recent years anyway. This could be a really big boost, and, and 2019 is going to be a big year for it. Yeah. Jeff, you know, you mentioned that Kokomo is looking at a convention center and hotel downtown. Right. right. Uh, it's been approved. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, it's right now um, site work is being being looked at um i i do believe that uh, a convention center is good for the types of size of cities like ours and and particularly for kokomo i mean we're kind of in between indianapolis and in south bend um there's a central location aspect as well i think there's going to be an opportunity for city leaders who are involved in, let's say, state organizations like we are with the Hoosier State Press Association or the Indiana uh, Media Editors Association, um, we could have maybe, you know, our meetings at these facilities um, and, and just move them around. I, I think it's going to be incumbent upon the, the, the individual city's leadership to encourage uh, residents to try to get uh, meetings and that and, and gatherings at the new facilities mm-hmm. you know so bloomington is underway with a plan to expand its its convention center bloomington and monroe county and uh one of the things that that was passed and went into effect in february this year was a, a food and beverage tax to help fund it um so you know all of our communities are looking to try to get that meeting and tourism business uh, really moving forward. Uh, I do want to mention, so I don't forget, I-69 section is substantially completed, Section 5. It's not done. There are orange barrels all up and down the road. Uh, I say in an editorial that will be coming out soon that the biggest news about I-65 or I-69 next year will be if all those barrels aren't gone, then something's wrong. But, uh, you know, you can get to, from Bloomington to Martinsville now very, very quickly. Uh, you can't get up to Indianapolis any any faster after you get to Martinsville, but that work will be shifting there soon. We have an email that's come in uh, that's asking a, a question that I'm not sure if you're going to be able to answer. I'm not sure I can answer it. In your areas, what percentage of Trump voters would want Pence to be president in 2020? I don't know. We can have percentages, but I think I see where the voter or where the the reader or listener is going. Uh, Trump voters, Pence voters, are they the same group of people? Max? You know, I think there's some differences. Uh, you know, if you were asking this question in another state, you may get a different sort of answer. Uh, but Mike Pence still has baggage in this state. And while uh, Vigo County might have voted for Donald Trump by an overwhelming margin, uh, I, I think Mike Pence would would have a tough time in our county Uh he never ran that well before. He he lost Vigo County uh, in his gubernatorial run. Uh, so uh, I realize once you get out of state politics, it's all a lot of it is ideological and, and very partisan. And there would be those that would just vote for him uh, as a, for president, uh, even though they wouldn't vote for him for governor, uh, if that makes any sense. But I I, I think in Indiana. That, that, that there's a little more turmoil uh, surrounding that issue than what maybe there would be in other states. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would agree. I think that, that Hoosiers have seen that uh, Vice President Pence used the governorship as a stepping stone, pure and simple. I think in Monroe County, you know, Monroe County Republicans are not much of a factor anyway. The ones that support Trump, I think, would support Pence. I don't think there's any disagreement. I, I do think that there might be some moderates out there who are just frightened at what they've seen out of President Trump that might say, well, Mike Pence at least has a little more of the conventional way of governing. Not that they would support him in 2020, but in the event, for instance, that there was um, an impeachment vote, people might look and say, well, Mike Pence would be a better option. That's 
just sort of, you know, I'm responding to this question. I think that might be because he is a much more conventional kind of candidate when it comes to working within the system and perhaps in, in foreign affairs. So, all right. So we, we only have two or three minutes to go. Um, you know, I, I want to mention a couple of – we had a, a couple of deaths in Monroe County that are worth men- mentioning this uh, several. I always do a column about this at the end of the year. But George Talaferro's death was one that, that t- hit the community hard this year in terms of, of uh, just the historic um, newsworthiness of it. You know, the f- African-American football player at Indiana University, the first African-American drafted by the NFL. George went on to be an administrator at Indiana University. Uh, he was 91 when he died earlier this year. That was that was huge. And then, you know, it was a double whammy for the IU football program, which is, of course, a very small slice of our community, but the winningest coach died. Bill Mallory died this year, but he was also a member of our community and was active in a lot of different things. We only have about a minute to go. Anybody that you and I'd like to mention a couple of journalists. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. Terry Hutchins, oh, longtime yeah. Indiana University um, sports reporter, uh, worked for us in CNHI, uh, and Matt Tolley. Mm-hmm. Um, Excellent journalist. When, when you're talking about Mike Pence, mm-hmm. you know, Matt Tolley uh, was the guy who was letting everybody in the state know what was going on. Mm-hmm. I thought it was um, very cool. Um, that Governor Holcomb's um, tweet about what Matt Tully meant to him and his conversations with Matt Tully, um, I thought that was very generous. And Matt was an Indianapolis Star reporter and columnist. I would have to say Mary Holman George. Uh, certainly um, uh, her family had a major, major impact in Tarot and Vigo County that is, uh, remains uh, today. She was quite an eclectic human being and an interesting person, very colorful uh, person, but she certainly had an impact on our community that'll that'll be felt uh, okay. for a long time. Thank you guys very much. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. We're out of time. I want to thank Jeff Kovaleski and Max Jones, uh, two of my editor colleagues from around the state. Uh, Sarah Whitmire couldn't join us today. She wanted to, but she's a little under the weather. So for Sarah, for producer Patrick McGurr and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and The Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber Internet, streaming TV, home security and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.